Paving the Way with Prayer is Dr. Joel Hunter's sermon series. His second message will deal with the subject, Preparation in Prayer, Submitting. From the New American Standard, Dr. Hunter has chosen the first chapter of Luke, verses 26 through 38, as his scripture text, and it reads as follows. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement, and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she, who was called barren, is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. Be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And now, let's join in for praise and worship, followed by Dr. Joel Hunter's message, Preparation in Prayer, Submitting. You know who I am. Um, this is Azure and Austin and Arlie, and this is my wife, Marcia. John 1, 5, and 14. The light shines in the darkness, and the, dark, and the darkness did not compre- comprehend it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The birth, of, the birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother Mary was engaged to, ma- to be married to Joseph. Before they came to the marriage bed, Joseph discovered she was pregnant. It was by the Holy Spirit, but Joseph did not know that. Being a righteous man, he determined to take care of things quietly so that Mary would not dis- be disgraced. While he was trying to figure a way out, he had a dream. God's angel spoke to him, saying... Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's child is conceived of the Holy Spirit. She will bring a son to birth, and when she does, you shall call him Jesus God saves because. He will save his people from their sins. This fulfilled the prophecy in Isaiah, Behold, the virgin shall be with, us, shall be with child, and shall bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joseph did exactly what God's angel commanded in the dream. He married Mary and kept her a virgin until she gave birth to his son, and he called his name Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. The kingdom of God is among us. How could anyone explain what love is with only words? The only way to understand love is to experience it. And so Almighty God sent love to us, to walk among us, to show us the way to live out his love. 
It is our call now to live out his love daily to our neighbors so that they can experience his forgiveness and healing and know that Christ is Emmanuel forever. God with us. Pray with us. Lord Jesus, you came to us as an infant, and now you sit at the right hand of God. Wonderful Counselor, King of Kings, we pray that you would not remain an infant in our hearts, but that we would let you rule us as a King and a Lord of all that we are. Amen. There. The last wedding invitation finally done. I can't believe it. Oh, I can't wait for the wedding. It's going to be beautiful. And then Joe and I will move into his apartment for a little while until we get onto our, our feet financially. And then, Lord, we'd like to have a home. Just nothing fancy, just a home where we can raise our children. And we don't want to have children right away, Lord, if that's okay. But in a couple of years, perhaps, have a few children and... Well, maybe Beth and Anna and I could all become expectant mothers at the same time. And, and then we could grow fat together and, and paint our nurseries together. Oh, Lord, you know I have so many hopes and dreams and plans for my future. Hail, favored one. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb... And bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. But how can this be, since I have never been with a man? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason... The holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to thy will. I have traveled many moonlights with a babe inside, and I wonder what I've done. Holy Father, you have come and chosen me now to carry your son I am waiting in a silent prayer I am frightened by the Lord I bear In a world as cold as stone 
Must I walk this path alone? Be with me now. Be with me now. Breath of heaven, hold me together. Be forever near me. Breath. We talk about uh, the submission of uh, mothers and the responsibility of taking care of a son. Uh, Pat Graziano, your son's in the library and not feeling too well. So a uh, little application to this morning's sermon. You've got it in short there. If you'd go to, uh, get your son, the library's in room A there. Let me talk to you about the context of this message because we want to do every message not to stand by itself. But in the context of the story God is unfolding among this people here. 
we're on a 10-year journey of spiritual maturity that will result in a Christian society within a society. And as we begin to understand that, the first thing we understand is that we can never make this thing come together on our own efforts or by our own reason. Nor is it our job. Christ said very clearly, I will build my church. So we realize the most appropriate thing to do is to begin to pray. And so we have been called to a season of prayer. Begin to pray that the Lord would come. Maranatha, Lord, come. And that he would establish here among us what he wants for his people here. Now, we began last week by saying, you know, the first thing most of us need to realize that prayer has an element of silence to it. Most people don't understand that. They think prayer is talking to God. And that's all prayer is. As a matter of fact, most people, when they get a glimpse of what God wants just not only talks about it all the time, but just runs ahead of God and tries to do it. If God pauses in his sentence, our habit is to complete his sentence for him. And by doing that, many times we make complete fools of ourselves. That was the case with Zacharias, you know, that he got a glimpse of what God was going to do, and all of a sudden he started bargaining with an angel. And so the angel said, Zacharias, you've got to cool your jets, buddy. You're going to have to be quiet for a while. And that was good so that he could just relax and and let God do what he was going to do. You know, the major mark of immaturity in spiritual life is not understanding what you haven't got the capability of doing. What must be done by God. By by the same token, the, the, the major mark of maturity that I've seen in spiritual leaders is the discernment of your inadequacy, our inadequacy. And what God can really do and counting on that. So when we run ahead and when we just try to pick it up and not be quiet for a while, we, we tend to get into trouble. Uh, a little example of that, we were driving to Indiana some about a month ago and somebody in the body loaned us a CB because they, they you know, if something happened to the car, they didn't want us to be stuck out in the middle of nowhere. And, and CBs, frankly, just embarrass me. Uh, my mother... Always told me not to talk to strangers, and I've never overcome that, and, and so it just embarrasses me, and it embarrasses me to listen to other people's conversation. It just embarrasses me. Um, uh, but the kids really want—I mean, it was boring. It was a long, boring trip. The kids really wanted to do the CB, you know. And so after you know 200 miles of no, I get embarrassed by the thing. Okay, well we'll get, you know. And I, I've got one kid that has no inhibitions whatsoever, so he—he's just playing around. He gets on that thing, and he—and he—and and I can't even do it like he did it, but. You know, just turns his hat around backwards and starts trying to talk like a trucker. You know, we're listening to these truckers talk, and he's trying, and he comes out, he says, Okay, breaker, breaker, breaker. He says, This old Studley Hunter going up the highway, look for old Smokey. Come on back, come on back, come on back. And you hear this dead silence on the radio. And then this big old husky trucker's voice comes on and says, Oh, great, who gave Pee Wee Herman a CB? <laughs> well, you know, when we get this, most of us, when we get this spiritual vision, you know, we just, we feel like we're automatically players in this whole deal. And the best thing we can do is just cool our jets and just understand the language of heaven. And that requires silence. That requires being still so that you know that He is God. 
That requires praying without talking. It requires relaxation. And as you develop that in your life, you will also understand that there's another element that is very important, and the paradigm for this is Mary. I love talking about Mary. Because in her life, there was a moment in which she was very apparently interrupted with God's grace. And that is what submission is, my friends. If you don't get anything outside of this message, get this. Submission is not about rank or status. Submission is about intimacy. Submission is about intimacy because you have been interrupted with the grace of God. And this is a way to get closer to that love. If you will turn to the first chapter of Luke, we will read some of the narrative um, that you heard, that you didn't hear while you, while you heard the, uh, the uh, words of the angel. But let's, let's start with this. That submission comes, it begins when you have heard a personal word from God. Other than that, all you have is a system, a man-made system. It says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now that is not a piece of mail that has occupant on the front of it, is it? It is a very specific address. It is a very specific word from God that has come into Mary's world unsolicited, Yet she is hearing it. You know, it's important in a world in which we live to be able to tell the difference between what is pseudo-intimacy and what is real intimacy. It is so important because you receive mail, now probably almost daily, that looks like personalized mail. It has your name in it. It may describe something you've done. And as the computer systems become more and more sophisticated technologically, they will be able to write us letters that make us feel like they know us. They do that because you can sell more that way. We live in a world of pseudo-intimacy. And we've got to be very aware of that because we are people who want to be known by other people. We have this hunger in us that we be known. That's why psychics can pull the scams they do. You know, you, you may have read the, uh, the uh, um, paper this week. Some lady lost $30,000. You know, just kept giving money to the psychic because the psychic kept saying stuff that seemed to be about her. That's how... He, the, the, the scams can come off with, with some, from, some Christian healers, you know? Somebody's in the audience that has a broken or a bad back. And, oh, I got one of those. He must be talking about me. There's this hunger we want. We want to be known. We want to put our name in the blank. That's how astrology can seem so personal. The predictions seem so personal because 
there's a tendency in us to want to be known, to want to believe somebody knows us. But that tendency was put there by God for one purpose. And that is when the voice of God came, when the movement of the Spirit of God came within, we would know Him. That's why it came. When it came that day to Mary, she heard from God personally. And that is what prayer is about, and that's why prayer is necessary. You can't hear God's voice at first from anybody but Him moving within you. There was a missionary, uh, Ludwig Nomensis, Nomensen, I'm sorry, who went to work with the Bartak Indian tribe. And he just asked the chief to be able to stay a couple of years to understand their customs. And the chief said, all right. And so while he was there, the chief asked him about his faith. And of course he began in the Old Testament, as our faith does. And he began to talk about the, the um, um, Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not bear false witness. And the chief looked at him and said, We have those same commandments within our tribe. We've never heard of your religion, but we have those same commandments. What would be so different? Why should we change? And Mr. Nomanson looked at him and said, Because our God comes personally to us and gives us the power to live them. And the chief's response was, Can you teach that to my people? He was very excited. And the response was, No, I can't. No one can do it but God. But if they will ask, and if they will listen, He will come. That's the point. That's where submission starts. When God comes. And I don't want you to get the wrong idea of Mary. I know, I know people have, uh, practically every sermon I've heard of Mary has been, Poor Mary. You know, she had all these great plans and God came. What kind of thing is that to think? I think that's projection of our own consternation. Poor Mary, God came to her? Do you think she was really all that unhappy when an angel of the Lord comes into your room? You think about it. An angel of the Lord comes into your room and says, Hail, O favored one. Would you be feeling bad? Would you be feeling, Oh, great, God showed up. <laughs> Absolutely not. You'd be excited. If an angel of the Lord says, Behold, the Lord is with you. The Lord himself is with you. Would that ruin your day? No. It would be a wonderful thing to know that God is personally with you. And that was the message that Mary got that day. It's a wonderful thing. And furthermore, she received it gladly, even though we know that Mary was a very discerning person. Now, how do we know that? Well, read a little bit further in Scripture. It says, But she was greatly troubled. Now, everybody thinks that that's a negative word. The, the Greek word is diastroso. It's the only place in the New Testament where that word is used. And the word's not a negative word. It just means confused or taken back. You know? 
um, um, disoriented. And so she's disoriented. Why? Because Mary is a very sharp lady. Now let me just give a little differentiation for you here. I want you to know that you do not have to put your mind in neutral to receive the revelation of God. I want you to know that you can be discerning and sharp. And I want you to know you don't have to be intelligent. On the other side, you can just open your, your mind up and, and, and it'll come. You don't have to be smart. Um, there are both kinds in the world. There are people, and you know them, who are perfectly naive and perfectly open to anything God has. They don't think a lot. They don't need to. They just are wonderful people. And God says, hey, you know what? And I say, great. You know? Very, you know, we've got a dog like this. No, no kid. Well, no kid. we got a little dog. Her name is Shelby. And uh, ever since we've had her, like, eight years now or something like that, and ever since we've had her, she is the most open, friendly dog. She's never gone after anybody, growling, you know. Anybody that walks in that door, she'll go up and try to be friendly, and then she'll do this. She'll roll over on her back, you know. And just that's the animal position of submission, you know. So expose her soft underbelly, just like that. And, and, and we'll leave the room for two seconds and come back and it'll be like the first time she'd seen us in three weeks. She's just so excited. She comes up and rolls on her back, you know. Well, we got, we, we just thought this is the greatest dog in the world. We were talking to our veterinarian, Marsha Rosenberg, about it and said, this is the friendliest dog we've ever seen. And Marsha said, well, she's probably slightly retarded. <laughs> we, we said, what? She said, no, it's a good thing, you know, but, you know, she hasn't she hasn't thought all the you know the implications through. You know, she just doesn't she doesn't considering everything that can happen here. She's not suspicious in nature. She's just very open. Well, that's a good thing. It's a good thing for people. But you know what? Mary wasn't like that, and we know that from reading the scripture, because look at what it says. It says at this statement, she kept pondering what kind of salutation. This might be. As soon as she gets the word from the angel, she's thinking it through. She's, she's working it to its logical conclusion here. Mary was a sharp person. We know that because next week when we read the Magnificat, we'll see the wonderful articulation of how she put together scriptures from the Old Testament. By the way, Jewish women weren't even reading uh, much at this time. But she was a student of the Old Testament. She weaves the Old Testament scripture in with a wonderful articulation of the praise of God. It's an absolute art form. And so when God comes, she's thinking. Her first response is to use her mind. Her first response is to really go over all of the possibilities. In a revised standard, it says she considered with her mind what this might mean. Uh, in King James it says, she cast in her mind. I get this, I get this thing, she's just kind of searching for what's going to come out of this. Um, in, the, in the Phillips, in the New English uh, uh, Bible, it says, and she pondered what this might possibly mean. She was thinking it through, but I don't want you to think she was thinking it through because it was such an awful message or such a terrible imposition. When God speaks to you, it's not a terrible imposition. It's a wonderful thing. 
Let me give you a, let me give you a word picture here, uh, or or an image in your mind. Let me let me let you just go in a little fantasy with me for a while. Now you got to come back when I come back, but let's just take a little trip. I want you to go back to your high school for a minute, and I want you to go as an old ugly freshman. Now I apologize to any freshmen who are here. Not not very many people who are freshmen are ugly anymore, but they were in my day, <laughs> and I was one of them. And so. You know, you're walking down this hall and you feel like a little nerd in the first place. And there's all of these gorgeous juniors and seniors, you know, and they got it together. And there's one, you know, if you're a man, there's one, there's the homecoming queen. She is drop dead gorgeous, you know. Or there's the hunk of the football team or the wrestling, whatever, you know. And he's, oh, he's a Greek Statue. He's he's gorgeous. See, and you're walking down the hallway and you're looking. Like, <laughs> and they have never before recognized your existence. But today you're walking down the hall and they lean over, and the hunk says, "Hi, Mary." Or the homecoming queen says, "Hi, Joseph." Do you know what would happen in your mind? You would be running through that again and again, pondering what sort of greeting this might be. You would be casting in your mind what all this could mean. See, it's a good thing when you hear that word that surprises you. And that's where Mary was that day. You keep it going around in your mind, not because you're so terribly distraught, because you're so terribly thrilled. When we were first going together, and Becky used to first say, I love you, I'd, I always had the same response. She didn't catch on for a while. She'd say, I love you, and I'd say, what? <laughs> She'd say, I said, I love you. I'd say, I, I, I'm sorry, what'd you say? I, and I'd, I'd get her to say it as many times as she would before she slugged me. <laughs> but I love to hear it. And I wanted to go over it again and again in my mind, and I did, and I still do. (laughs) I still do, you know. You recreate those things because they're wonderful. That's where Mary was when she heard God, and the greeting was personal. When the angel of the Lord came to her and, and said, Hail, O favored one. Yeah, there was some disorientation, but it was a wonderful disorientation. And the submission came from the personal word. You understand at the end of this, and and you've got to read the Bible from the back forward. And many times it helps to read a passage from the back forward. When Mary says, Be it done to me according to your word, the Greek word, rhema. It's not logos. Logos is the is the overall governing of the universe. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and, 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 and God's creating thing through everything, through His Word, you see. He spoke and it came into existence. That's the Word. That are the, that's the laws of the universe by which we must all abide. But there's another Greek word for Word, and that's rhema. And that's the one with your name on it. That's the still, small voice that comes to you. That's very personal and very intimate. 
And that's the one Mary uses. Let it be to me. Not according to your universe, but according to your intimate word. And Mary responds just keenly, says, wait. She's scanning the whole scenario. She goes, wait. She comes up with a problem. She says, how can this be? No, she doesn't really say, how can this be? She says, how shall this be? It's literally, in the, in the, in the New Testament, in the Greek, it's literally, how shall this be? Just a little parenthetical phrase. When you hear from God, you don't doubt that it's going to happen. You just don't know how it's going to happen. So I don't want you to think she doubted that it was going to happen. She just didn't know how. How shall this be? Since I have known not a man. You know, little problem here. And then Gabriel says, oh. Now, I mean, this is how I picture it. Oh, this is so cool. <laughs> he says, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Now, I want you to know what may have been running through Mary's mind. There are two images in the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit overshadowing. The first one was of creation. Remember when God made the world, and the Bible says, and the world was without form and void, and the Spirit was moving over the face of the deep. And then God began to speak, see? And things began to be created out of what was absolutely barren. And so that's the overshadowing. But there's something even more intimate than that. Because when God made man, the Bible says that he blew the breath of life into his nostrils. The Hebrew is ruach. It is breath spirit, wind spirit. And man became a living soul. You see, when he's talking about creating life within her, he's talking in the most intimate of terms. He's talking about one's breath. How did Jesus Christ bestow the Holy Spirit? He breathed the Holy Spirit. That's how his disciples received the Holy Spirit. He breathed the Holy Spirit. How close do you have to be to somebody to feel their breath? You know, when I was in seminary, I had a, 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 an Eastern professor who came over to teach patristics. And according to the custom of his family and his country, he was never, he never felt like he was really engaged in conversation until he was close enough to us that we could feel his breath on our face. Well, you know, Americans, we think, you know, we need our space. And so when he had a conversation with me, he was going like this, and I was backing down the hall like this. See? But it was an end. He wanted to, he wanted to be engaged. He wanted the, the breath to be on me. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying. God will be so intimately involved with you. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And so here's Mary, who in the realm of submission now, has understood that it is an act not of rank or of status or even of role. It is a matter of intimacy. And it's a wonderful matter of intimacy. And so, she says, Behold, I'm a servant 
of the Lord. And she completely gives herself to that. Now, let me recommend to you this week that you say, God, stir in me the understanding that I have been personally chosen. Let me know somehow inside, by the witness of the Spirit you've given me, that I am every bit as favored and every bit as specifically called as Mary was. Because that's the good news for Christians. We got a letter and it was not addressed, occupant. Everyone who has responded to the name of Christ has responded because they have understood that it was a personal act of intimacy. And God knows us better than we know ourselves. And he still came to us. Pray with me. God, there may be some people here this morning that for the first time understand that it's not just a general availability of salvation. That if they are sensing a need to be saved, a need to know you personally, it's because you have put the hunger there and you are calling their name. Let them make their bodies available for you. And let them say, even as Mary did, let it be done in me according to your will. And Father, for the rest of us, let us again understand how personal and intimate your call and how submission is in that setting and not in a raw setting of power. Let us understand, Lord God, that just as Mary heard the words, Hail, O favored one, we too hear those words in Jesus Christ. And just as you became resident in her physically, so you have become resident in us spiritually. And just as her role was to deliver Christ to the world, so too, that's ours. And just as she must have felt inadequate, so too do we. Yet, let us say with her, Behold, the servants of the Lord. Be it done to us according to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.